Hello and welcome to the Fell Mouse Podcast, a podcast about birds, discussing birds and not eating birds. Episode 1, brought to you by Delicious Purdue Chicken. Um. This week we sat down, you know, together to introduce ourselves. Mm-hmm. We gotta mention that this is the first podcast. Yeah. Episode zero. Yeah. Welcome to fo- like if Scott, when you go welcome to Foul Mouths, we just maybe like welcome to Foul Mouths episode zero because mm-hmm. we should probably we'll probably have yeah. to personalize this for each episode, right? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. That makes okay. sense. Okay. Cool. Cool. Welcome to Foul Mouths podcast episode zero. A podcast all about birds. I forgot what I was supposed to say. <laughs> <laughs> It's a super professional podcast. Foul Mouth Podcast. It's about birds. Welcome to Foul Mouth's Podcast. Episode zero. A podcast all about birds. On this week's episode, we sat down to talk about who we are, our favorite birds, where we like to go birding, and what we use to do it, and a couple of harrowing tales of finding new lifers. So here is that conversation from earlier this week. Let's get right to it, right? Yeah. Here we go. So... This is Foul Mouse Podcast, episode one, with uh, Scott, Heather, and I'm Sean, and we're... We're here. <laughs> fucking doing it. We're fucking doing it. Loving birds. I think you should introduce yourself first, since you are the reason why we're doing this. Uh, wow, thank you. That's so nice. That's so polite. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I'm Sean, and I wanted to do a podcast um, about birds because i'm obsessed and scott and heather are my birding friends and uh, obsessed is putting it lately (laughs) yeah maybe my yeah my my (laughs) girlfriend nicole would agree yeah maybe it's a little beyond obsession obsession is is light but it happens and here i am sitting here with you on a couch a lovely blue couch. It's comfortable. Yeah. Would it's you say Robin. It's, oh, it's Robin's egg blue. This is the problem. I'll say it out loud while they argue about it. Um, <laughs> no, it is Robin. So. I know. We're going to step on each other's jokes because that's what we do. I hope so. I'll just smother you with a pillow. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'll leave you with a child. That's fine. Oh, gosh. Poor James. <laughs> James is going to be stuck with the two of us. Um... His, so, how did you start birding? Um, I started birding sort of accidentally. Birds have been in my life my whole life, mm-hmm. but uh, because my grandparents have always had feeders, and okay. my dad's super into nature and uh, sort of knowing a little bit about everything, so he's in, always imparted that kind of knowledge. Like he, you know, he knew the basics. Like that's a cardinal, that's a robin. So I learned a lot about that stuff early on, and then my grandparents were more like a little more attuned and they'd start to talk about finches and stuff like that that you know sort of learning how to pick out like a house finch and stuff like that when I was a little kid but that was sort of just when we were at their house but more recently uh it was like 2017 right when the snowy owl boom hit right and um it's not a snowy owl surprisingly that did it but we are looking um, we were in Long Island looking for a snowy owl for uh, Nicole's mom to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, we stopped at Robert Moses State Park where I had seen some reports. And um, I had already like fallen into the e-bird world just to find owls. 
um, which is really hard to do because of hashtag ethical owls. But um, there was just like happened to be a vagrant mountain bluebird. Oh. Uh, randomly, we showed up and somebody's like, oh, you're here for the mountain bluebird? And I said, what? A what? And I didn't have binoculars or anything at this point. Right. And we, mid-December, walked out to like find this and the windiest day in the middle of like the like weird dune like landscape at Robert right. Moses State Park like looked for this mountain bluebird and it was this like small woman that I met like randomly and we just like trudged our way through saw the bluebird it was really exciting and it sort of opened my eyes to the fact that this I know that this bird shouldn't be here right. I don't know anything beyond right. that I don't even really know what it looks like but I know that it's from Colorado and that it probably winters somewhere in like Mexico and that being in New York, Long Island, like, way. like barrier Atlantic, so far off course, like it was so, it became so exciting and I didn't know like how exciting it would really like turn out to be, but that was it. That was and I just, I've been, I've been chasing rarities and vagrants ever since mm-hmm. that day. Like it's, and that's, that's what happened to me. I don't know. And now I'm. You know, everywhere I look, I see something, and I'm always chasing, like, building up my list and right. setting goals for myself. So, yeah, yeah I it think was a mountain bluebird. In your <laughs> was first... it, uh, so by vagrant, do you mean undocumented? <laughs> Hashtag build the wall. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Here we go. Already starting. Yeah, it was so, an undocumented mountain bluebird. So, um... That totally uh, derailed you. Derailed my You're turn welcome. of thought. Oh All I God. could think of the whole time you were talking about a vagrant bird was like it, it had like a stick with a little handkerchief <laughs> at the end of it, like a hobo bird. <laughs> yeah, he had a face hanging, tattoo. It was hanging out next to the train tracks. <laughs> no, yeah. jumping cars. And that's such a like that's such a Disney looking bird too. And it's more of a it hobo is, bird. Yeah. Well, it's not so bird. Disney looking in the. Uh, in, in, the the, in the winter, it was pretty gray. It was like it wasn't even beautiful. Yeah, I mean, beautiful in its own way, but like it was like pretty wind beaten. It was like sitting on this tiny little shrub in the middle of like a strange sand cul-de-sac and just flying back and forth between a cypress and this tiny little, like it's this so scrub. His mm. feathers were everywhere, like super wind beaten, just like probably kicking himself real hard like, for what? whatever reason. He ended up being like the sentinel to. They sent out to the far reaches of the continent to find like a new food source, or or his brain's broken. Either way, yeah, he like followed. Dude was not stoked to be there. The wrong bird, <laughs> yeah. and just it's funny. Yeah, and we oh, the fun part, the funniest thing was there's like flocks of like horn larks and snow buntings flying around, oh, right. and like over our head as we're walking. A Baltimore Oriole flies over, and it's literally December twenty fourth. It is like it's Christmas Eve day. And there's, and we just, I'm so new at this point that a Baltimore Oriole flew overhead and I didn't even register that that alone was, was like weird. a rare, yeah. rare for the time of year and the place that we were at. And it, we just walked past all of this stuff to like, and like, you know, there's yellow rumped warblers still kicking around. There's stuff everywhere. And we're just trying to find this one gray bird. And Nicole and her mom, bless their hearts, are, are following me through this like adventure that I've dragged them on. And they we get there, and her mom's like, wait, that's it? Because it's not 
bright. It's not anything. Right, like, you, know. you could barely see what it is unless you get close. I didn't have binoculars. I'm just, like, taking grainy iPhone photos. My eyes are squinted because the sand's blowing in your um. face. It was not fun, but... And there I was, like... That was the coolest thing that ever happened, like, uh, to me personally. Like, I, I just, like, was so beyond the un- how uncomfortable the weather was and everything going on at that moment just the, everything went away like that excitement mm-hmm. finding seeing that bird and understanding what it meant to mm-hmm. see that bird at that spot that like that was it it was over everything mm-hmm. everything something snapped inside of my brain and <laughs> like super late onset really mild Asperger's set in <laughs> here I am fully obsessed so birding through the windows at work <laughs> so, or while you're driving. Or while I'm driving, which is so bad, but you yeah. see a lot. I have, yeah. Redheaded woodpecker, coolest. That was probably the coolest incidental driving bird I've ever had. So illegal drive-by bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So that's me, but and that's how, yeah, that's how I got birding. The, the best part of all of this is that we don't know anything about each other's spark birds or mm-hmm. like what got us into birding. So, um. So, it then started with. Like, I got Scott into birding, yeah. so I'll, I'll just go. So I'm Heather. It's pretty presumptuous of you. <laughs> it is, though. We're going to have different... All right, just hashtag uh, history alert. We're going to have differing uh, stories about our... So Scott and I are married, <laughs> and we've been together for 10 years, so there's it's, there's a lot. Um, but um, in terms of getting into birding, like, I was always just... You know, like I remember, like walking through East Rock, East Rock in New Haven, where where we all are, and hearing birds for years as I was a runner, right. and you know would walk um, by myself through the woods because I lived right, right near the woods. The whole she's thing. a rebel. I'm a rebel, and I would be walking, and I'd be like, I wish I knew what these bird sounds were, and that was just one of those things where I'm like, I always wished I knew what the bird sounds were like what bird is what right. and but just feeling like really overwhelmed and like I don't know I think that seems too difficult and so I don't even remember exactly how I found out about it but I found out about global um big day and I I guess I saw an article, maybe someone shared it on Facebook, and then I read the article and how there's going to be warblers, and I was like, I want to see a warbler. I've never seen a warbler. Like, yeah. let's, you know, I'll just go around. So I went to the woods um, that early that morning and walked around by myself. No binoculars. I was going to say, I was going to ask, no bring binoculars? binoculars? No, just like, I didn't know what to expect, but I just knew like people would be around birding and there's something interesting about that. And I was like, well, maybe I'll see something that I've never seen before. And I saw a common yellowthroat. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just no, like, cause they're so, I mean, now I know that they're just out and about. Yeah. And they're pretty unafraid. And I was just like, wow like I can see what I call them the jewels of the forest right it's just beautiful tiny dainty little thing and I just I, that was it yeah like, that was it like that the fact that I could just go into the woods that I've been going to for almost a decade and just see this beautiful bird and it just kind of clicked for with me that that I've been walking through this this area over and over and over again and not really aware of the ecosystem 
mm-hmm. that actually exists within it. Yeah. You know, I you know I could see the geese or the obvious birds. Yeah, of course. But there's just it just awokened my appreciation on a, like a deeper level sure. for what's around me and what has been around me. And I, and it was almost like, well, if I'm if I didn't know that this existed, like what else is there? And that was sort of what really. How long ago was that? Mm, three or four years. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was um, 15, 16? 16. I was probably right around when Global Big Day became a real yeah. phenomenon too. Mm-hmm. When it became like a real, real thing, showing off Colombia and Argentina and those places. Yeah. So. so that was it, you know. And then I saw birder, you know, birders along the way, and um. You know, the nice ones <laughs> would, would point out things and, and you know, and then... So, gosh, I want to hang out with a bunch of old white guys. <laughs> yeah, and so then, like, I drag... Well, I didn't drag Scott, but I was just like, I saw warblers. I saw all these birds I've never seen before. Let's go to the woods. And and so he came with me, and but he was more, at that point, more interested in the photography aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then it just kind of went from there, and then... I, like so that was when's global big day may yeah beginning of may so i think may 4th may, may 2019 4th. yeah it's coming up and so my birthday is april 18th so i bought myself like a late birthday present of getting binoculars and i, and I don't know what was it maybe like a month later or weeks later and i was like i can't believe i'm dropping 200 dollars. <laughs> like i hope this is a hobby that sticks with me because it's yeah. like and then, of course, once you get the binoculars, it's just... It's over. It's over. Yeah. You realize you can see through the neighbor's windows. <laughs> um, so, uh, my story is actually pretty similar to yours, Sean. Um, Stealing thunder. My, my mom uh, got me into birding when I was a kid. Um, just out the um, windows of the lower floor of our house. Sure. And we lived in a, a sort of typical 1980s bi-level. And so the, the lower floor, the basement floor, had windows that were essentially right at ground level. And um, we had uh, feeders out front. And so we had all the usual suspects, um, cardinals and uh, chickadees and goldfinches mm-hmm. and um, juncos. And juncos are like my earliest bird memory yeah uh, of just in the snow yeah all those little all those little blackbirds with white tummies running around and there's james he's awake he's flapping he's like a little bird do you want to bring him down and regurgitate some food into his mouth (laughs) um (laughs) i wish i could remember when he went to sleep because i thought i put down when he went to sleep Speaking of steel and thunder, Sorry. wow, James is just James, just mine. James centric. So, um, it's weird. So we Babies. had um, my folks were really into um, just being outdoors and hiking, you know. So my dad always had me in a backpack <laughs> and just like going through the woods. It's weird to see a fifteen-year-old in a backpack. But. It was weird, but you know what? It was also extremely comfortable. Um, <laughs> and so, and my dad got me into photography as well. So, um, growing up, had a camera, had the Peterson Field Guide. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, um... The namesake. Yeah. And, um, so, my parents would come to visit 
uh, in Connecticut and we would always go to the shore. And so part of just going to the shore was bringing my camera so that I have right. something to do. Of course. And so taking pictures of, you know, uh, rock formations and driftwood and whatever, whatever else. And then of course, birds. Yeah. Um, and so I have, you know, all of the obligatory, you know, seagull pictures, and <laughs> videos of seagulls flying while people throw, you know, white bread up for them to catch and stuff like that. And um, slowly get poisoned by. <laughs> that's right. From lack of nutrition. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually, yeah, it's just filling them up with something that uh, makes them not want to eat food that actually has nutrients in it. Yep. But now Bonaparte's goals are stealing kids' hot dogs, so we're good. <laughs> we, did, we did our job. That's right. Um, and so what, what's the, what was the recent, like, what's gotten you where you are now, though? So, where we are now, sitting in front of a microphone with, with a with giant a, white with cat. With a fat white cat on her lap. Um, so as, as Heather mentioned, um, she started going to um, East Rock right. here in New Haven, Connecticut, where, where we live, where we've lived for a long time. Yeah. And um, it was about that time that uh, I was applying for teaching jobs and I was working in the music department at Yale in a non-teaching position. Heather uh, had um, started her business and was growing her business doing web design and web development. Um, and our jobs were really stressful. And I think just having East Rock Park there, we were walking through it every single day. Yeah. Every single day we were walking through that park, not really paying a ton of attention and the, I think the more stressful our jobs got the more we started going and just spending time there standing sitting just trying to spend as much time there as possible before having to go back to real life and um, birding it turns out is a really really great way to head into the woods and essentially not emerge for three to possibly six hours. Yeah. And then you sort of emerge dazed and having to really go to the bathroom, hungry, <laughs> thirsty. Starving. Yeah, starving. Um, Probably late for something, inevitably oh, late for something. Just definitely blowing off. Like if, if you need an excuse to not get something done or not meet up with the person you're trying to avoid, birding is an incredible, incredible opportunity for you. Oh, yeah. You just blame your uh, lack of responsiveness to yeah. text messages on That's having right. no... Uh, Sorry, phone's off. Having yeah, having no reception. Oh, I don't know what happened. I was yeah. in the middle of the woods. Yeah. Um, did you have like a... Was there a bird that set it off for you? Was there a spark bird, as they're called? Um, you know, for me, there, there wasn't a spark bird. It was more just the more silent we were, the more just aware we were, mm -hmm. the, the longer we would just stand in one place and notice all of this crazy activity and, and, and realizing that these little creatures all around us have their own lives and their own drama. Yeah. yeah. You can see that drama and you, drama. and you understand that drama when you start learning about the birds and how they interact and, and breeding grounds and what birds fly together and yeah. what birds hate each other. <laughs> and you see all of this unfolding 
And it's always been there. You just never noticed it because you you didn't stop and pay attention. Yeah, no, it's true. It's funny to like, you don't, uh, people see us like you, people like see us laughing at stuff, like making fun of things in the woods and it's only funny to us, but it's really true. Like the, you see like two birds interact and you know that there's like, it's super dramatic (laughs) right there in front of them. And Mm -hmm. it's so funny to watch and like to understand what's going on and, Mm -hmm despite how psychotic it makes us look well, laughing and staring at these at tree branches it looks they almost look empty because yeah. it's like a it's like <laughs> six yeah. chickadees <laughs> screaming at a cooper's hawk that nobody can see so. well, I, I think the the coolest example we've had recently of just this awareness like when you have this intention like we're going to go birding then you walk out your door in Whitneyville and you look up, and one of you sees a bald eagle. Yeah, just flying overhead, over your neighborhood. And then, of course, you. Bird. And then, of course, you tell him, "No, it's not. It's probably a black vulture or a turkey vulture." And... Yep, always a vulture, except that the wings are too flat, and there's a big white head. Well, and and nobody. White no, of course, tail. it it, it was like three hundred yards. Up. Yeah, it's it hard, was, but it's easy. It wasn't to, right there. It's easy to dismiss those kinds yeah. of things when you're like making glances because it's not often that like you get the the yard bird bald eagle. So <laughs> I, I mean, especially our first year birding together, um, we, you know, you have the early birder syndrome where you think everything could be something rare. Yeah, absolutely. And then we kind of got it beaten into us like if the most likely bird is the most it's probably the most likely bird yeah and um and so i kind of like just learned to tamp down my like excitement that something could be something really rare until i could actually verify in that moment because we would be like it's this amazing it's a it's a catbird it's a catbird it's always a catbird because the the fun thing i don't know if you said this but the fun thing about us birding together was like we learned together yeah um you know we we would we would spend hours trying to identify the simplest birds right um you know he would take a picture and then we'd bring it home and then we'd Mm -hmm. pour over because, you know, um, I, we didn't have the apps yet, you know, yeah. we would look online, but it was harder. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys use for apps? What do you guys use for birding tools, like, in um, that respect? What's expect, your... Well, our first year, like, early birding was definitely eBird. Or yeah. not eBird. Merlin. Uh, Merlin. Yeah, Merlin. <laughs> Everybody's go-to yeah. ID app, yeah. It's just, the UI is so perfect. It's I mean, that's what it's meant for. It's meant for people who don't really bird to get quicker at identification yeah. and I think they made it really successful. Oh, absolutely. It's it's pretty amazing that the the requirements to get like IDs, you know, the the questions that they ask. Yeah. Those are the things that you need to learn. Like the things that you in in that like millisecond that you get to yeah. make a decision about what you're seeing, you're looking for size, where it is, what colors that you can see, mm-hmm. bill shape, profiles, yeah. like habits, you know, listening for its calls, listening for its songs, like looking for certain behaviors that make that bird what it is. And you learn to do that so fast. And eBird, or no, we're talking um, about Merlin. Merlin. <laughs> Merlin. But now there's a million. Well, it's Cornell, so. Yeah, Cornell. I mean, those guys, 
the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Thank you for doing what you do. Yeah. We love you. Um, yeah. And if you want to come on the show, <laughs> yeah, I here know. we are. Well, the thing I love the most, especially with my, so my background is a web, web and app designer, mm-hmm. is that I've been so impressed thoroughly by Audubon and Cornell because yeah. they've both gone out of their way to make um, the UI of yeah. their apps and their websites really accessible and it really helps people get into birding. Yeah. You know? And Audubon's beta testing still, they're running, te- they're consistently testing mm-hmm. to make their new platform as it's unrolling is, a, is pretty phenomenal as well. Um, the way it ties lists to sightings and... And, uh, and that's huge. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like, you know, in my in my world, I'll rarely do um, places do that work. Right. That's what needs to be done. And maybe because they are more educational institutions, um, that yeah. they're more aware of doing user testing and yeah. do, doing beta testing. But, I mean... That's huge. I mean, that's yeah. what what makes the usability of it so so good. Um, so yeah, I mean, that app really helped got us in, and now I use I was it iBird Ultimate. I I'm still uh, a, a faithful Merlin user. Uh, I have not gotten into the into the other um, fancier uh, ID apps as it. I have iBird Ultimate because I. After a while, I got, like, I think um, Merlin's really good for getting you started with it. Right. And then I I like the iBird. I mean, the iBird's, I don't know, I think it's like $10 or, it's expensive. And it takes up a gig on your on your phone this is james should, yeah i was gonna say should we introduce uh, the you... junior bird podcast host oh. james this is james james's first experience with birding was tumbling across the path at <laughs> east rock as his mother in utero, pregnant yeah, mother. In in utero, utero. as his pregnant mother uh ran <laughs> after a bay-breasted warbler on global big day 2018 uh <laughs> And saw three bay-breasted warbler, but broke her binoculars in the process, <laughs> and proved that the average birder is more interested in the bay-breasted warbler than the safety of the people around them. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> no one stopped to help. Shout out to uh, to Nikon for fixing those for free. Thank oh you. Thanks, Nikon. Yeah. Um, I yeah. So glo- we had the most fantastic global big day last year. We did. And of the many warblers that we saw, bay breasted was one of them. And I had never seen one before. I don't even think I've ever even heard of one before, sure. to be honest. And so when someone called that out, that they were, that's what the group was looking at. I booked it. Um, but I was also uh, how many months pregnant? Like six. Yeah, six months pregnant, and. Um, uh, maybe a normal person wouldn't be that giant at six months, but I was already quite uh, <laughs> very pregnant. <laughs> yes, it was a big bump. Um, I was all bump, and so I tripped over a root. Um, actually, looking back at it, it's like almost like an obstacle course. How many roots? Yeah. There? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sean ran past me, and and I was trying to get there like kind of before Sean. And uh, ended up tumbling and eating dirt. And uh, James, in utero, got to got to get sh- shooken up a bit. 
I just remember feeling you go past me and seeing a blur as a pregnant. Purple blur. <laughs> a purple blur as pregnant Heather hit the hit the path right next to me. Yeah. And and laying there more concerned about her binoculars. Yes. Than her personal well being. I mean, he's pretty. I I didn't hit. My bump never hit the ground. My my hands, however, were completely embedded with gravel for weeks. Yeah, she took a good digger. She took a good digger. We yeah. got the we got the bay breasted though. So. Yes. And uh, Scott got in an argument about it with a ranger. Oh my gosh. Um, Global Day was really big. Huh? We saw so many birds, Canada warblers Canada, everywhere. Magnolia. We saw magnolia warblers. We saw red starts. The Northern three, water thrush. We saw water thrush. The three bay-breasted warblers. We really we saw a lot. It was a really phenomenal. Um, we got a lot of miles down. Uh, we had like a fifty-plus uh, bird list for the day. Um, it was beautiful weather, people everywhere. People everywhere, but uh, we were still seeing more than everyone, so that was great. Yep, we had a we had a <laughs> we had a really good day, and a lot of people following us around looking for stuff. Um, black billed cuckoo was my highlight. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. I managed. I got the best looks at it, and I was the only one that saw it. No, no, Ro- our friend Robin, Robin also saw mm-hmm. the black billed cuckoos to to make me out to not be a liar at that moment, but. It just stopped, looked at me, got some sun, and flew off, and it was like... Never see it again. Never see it again. It actually evaporated. It, yeah. It was great. Um, it was a really good day. Uh, we keep talking about East Rock. Yes. Um, we should probably highlight... Have... East Rock is our, is our patch, is our yep. local patch. Um, East Rock Park is like a 300-plus species hot you know, hotbed of, like, warbler migrants in the spring. Non-stop birding action, from except what? for today. Yeah, today was a little <laughs> lackluster, but... Except for summer and winter. Yeah, but <laughs> we, in all spring, the warblers pour in, and they literally just are dropping off of trees in places mm. that they shouldn't be in the canopy. Uh, warbler neck is not a phenomenon, a phenomenon oh, wow. <laughs> that you'll ever have to deal with. Because they're right there in front of you. Mm. Scott literally argued with a, 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 the... The, the main the rangers. rangers there about seeing bay breasted at eye level because they typically occupy the highest points was of the canopy. Was that what they were arguing about? There was no, yeah, they arguing about how there's no way that that bay breasted could be within that 10 foot range. Mm-hmm. Of and our, he was right there. And he was literally right in yeah, front in of him. the ranger. Yeah. One in front of him, one behind him, and another one just off trail. Yeah. And he, so he's arguing about the bird that's literally just staring at him that everybody else has their binoculars on. It was a really funny moment to see. It was, <laughs> it was real awkward. There were a lot of people around. That guy was not happy that three... Some rando he's three, never seen yeah, before. There's like a like, bunch well, of young people around. You know what, what he dumb. was upset about was he thought... He didn't know who I was. He didn't know that I was a nobody, that I was just there birding. And he thought that I had a group. He thought that He thought that I was leading a bird group. Ah. And that I was some sort of, therefore, a rival, a threat. Don't you? Um, Great. Let him babble. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You were uh, a, a rival tour leader. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm just, no, I'm just some dude. Like on his turf. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a territorial. It, it was super awkward. Yeah. It ended well. It was just, it was like really tense. And I was just like, I can't believe we're getting tense over birds right now. But that's everybody's, that's everybody's stick. They want to well, be the, you got to be, you can't point. Well, you can't so, wear white. <laughs> East Rock is, is East Rock draws a lot of people and a lot of out of, out of towners and it it's does. really it's been awkward too mm-hmm. because 
Um, I'll be we'll be burning, and then like someone from out of town will be like, "Oh yeah, well we only come here for the burning because you know New Haven." And I go, "I live here." Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? New Haven's a rough. New Haven's a, an odd place, and that it's it's fairly like the 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 poverty. There's a lot of poverty. There's Yale, so there's a lot of wealth. It's a it's there's, a it's really mixed of up. Connecticut. Yeah. The haves and the have-nots, yeah. like right. Next to each other. It is, yeah, absolutely. Um, you have Ivy League. Yep. Uh, Yale. But on two sides of the city is split in the middle by all of this, like, all of these people. But on both sides is East Rock Park and Edgewood yeah. Park, both hot spots, important mm-hmm. bird areas. West Rock. We've got West Rock with nesting peregrine falcons, and we've got East Rock with nesting peregrines and common ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh all the warblers you could possibly want. And osprey. Osprey everywhere. We've got bald eagles every on State Street. <laughs> yeah, bald eagles in New Haven nesting. We've got so much monk wildlife parakeets. here. Oh yeah, the monk parakeets are everywhere. <laughs> the city Trying is amazing for for birding and 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 we we are unfortunately a minority of, uh, like in such a bio bio rich place uh and it's sad so here we are sitting in front of a microphone again (laughs) trying to figure out what we can do to yeah get people doing this too and be paying more attention to how important where we live is and where everybody lives is because because one of the things that struck me right when i we began burning was that we would run into older folks and we were always the youngest people burning always yeah, always the youngest people and there's some people that are really cool and they want you to get involved and then there's a lot of old white men who like you know you they go oh what have you seen today and i just would tell them even if it was you know baltimore orioles and sort of common things and they would just like near at me because I like what they're really looking for is a summer tanager or something really exotic. Well it's interesting because many people are very dismissive about the birds that you've seen and they act nonplussed but then if you tell them you've seen something spectacular then they question your ID. (laughs) Right. So it is it is a little bit of a of a yeah, a no win situation. But I mean with some so I think the thing that you know, we can talk about um, motivations for doing a, a birding uh, podcast, obviously mine is fame and fortune. Uh, <laughs> that's my primary motivation. Here we are. Um, but I mean, I think for me, you know, one of one of the things that, that drives me to want to do this is just um, because I'm not an expert, uh, I'm not really even good at birding. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not great at ID. Um, I'm not great at bird song, but I love, I love the um, ritual. It's being modest. I love the ritual of going out. I love the ritual of of the act. I love the the sort of like in some cases like the solitude. Yeah. But then yeah. in others, I love I love birding with friends. I mean, it's really great when you see something together with people. It's a shared experience, and. Um, and the birding community needs to be open and welcoming and encouraging of people who have no idea what they're doing, who, who don't know the difference between a Baltimore and an Orchard Oriole, and yeah. are willing to have these conversations with you. Yeah. And to not also 
scare people by rattling off 15 species you've never heard of with like identifying features that you don't understand yeah. undertale covert yeah and just you know using a language which is like exclusive and exclusionary and um, because it's bad for birding if, yeah. if your primary goal is to get younger people or just more people into birding then the way a lot of people go about it right now is is wrong very wrong yeah um and so if you <laughs> if you want to have this kind of you know impact then one of the things that you do is is you know you, you form teams of people and we have friends who are just casual birders yeah. but are out doing it enough they're out two three four times a month maybe six times a month if you're Sean you're out every day um, and it doesn't matter and you meet up with people you see the same people you get to know people yeah and you get it's to know a, the environment and so. it's a cool community and then you know after you've finished birding uh, in East Rock, you can head to East Rock Brewery yeah. and have a beer and talk about what you've seen. Yeah, and um, I don't know. It's it's a really cool way to get into nature without having to be into you know competitive competitive mountain biking. Yeah, uh, or even hiking because you don't have to be physically fit to bird. No, you don't. Just look no. at us. I, I mean, part of the reason I started birding uh, when I did was ha I had Lyme disease and I, I couldn't do what I, the things that I would typically do. And I walked really slowly with binoculars on and found a whole world in right. the canopy of, of like things that I didn't know were here. And, and same with us. Yeah. Like, so I have had chronic hip pain. Scott has had chronic back pain. Yeah. And that was, a, you know, we missed going out and walking, but, you know, we were getting bored just walking the same trails. So birding was a way for us to be out, spend even more time outside. Yeah. And I will add that part of our birding story has to do with Pokemon Go. Interesting. Because we got really into Pokemon Go. Yeah. Oh, man. We, like, really... This is so embarrassing. I know. But we did. Now we did. everyone knows. Everyone knows. Black, you had a Blackburnian Warbler I, I and wasn't, a Pikachu in one day. I wasn't really <laughs> into it. I was pretending. You were just pretending? Yep. Scott was so into it. It's augmented reality. I... Our friend told us about it, and I was, like, as an app designer, I was, like, I, I want to see what this is like. You know, like, augmented reality? What are you talking about? And then I got into it, and then Scott got into it, and then we we're like going to like Pokemon Go hotspots in the summer and whatever. So that that phase that um, fad sort of died. Lasted one one summer. One summer, but but we, we were, got a ton of exercise. We like walked I think seven and a half miles one day. Yeah, like it, <laughs> wow. we really yeah yeah Just we looking for Charizard. Yep. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's true. It's so embarrassingly enough and then it's like well what's the real equivalent of that oh, birding is pokemon go yeah absolutely absolutely and i you know birding starting to become a thing i think i keep hearing it on some of the other podcasts like birding whether people like it or not is a thing now and i think that there is a for me this podcast represents a really a great way of being able to reach out to those mm -hmm. people that don't know how to get involved mm -hmm. because it is a really 
sort of daunting thing to walk up to a group it's of so yeah, a group daunting. of people at any given time at a hot spot. There's like you know half a million dollars worth of camera equipment and optics, and and that right there that that sort of like population is representative of like of the old guard. Right. And, and we are you know I have a hundred and thirty dollar Nikon you know binoculars and. I have a 262 bird life list, and most of that was last year. I, you know, I, I yes. spent, I've been pushing, I've seen so much in that short amount of time, and I did it without all the fancy equipment, and certainly without all of the old people helping. So, uh, this for me, this is like a way to connect communities to each other, and watching like I'm just gonna take the junior uh, yeah, podcast host over here watching little guys like James come up and like learn from their parents and and you know keep keep carrying on this tradition of birding in North America it's been going on for so long and there's so many good bird clubs and so many people that don't know how to get in touch with each other and and I've never even I've been we've never joined the bird New Haven bird club or anything yeah. like that. I've been like it just seemed a little daunting or stodgy i don't know like and it and it is and it's unfortunate because the you know we there isn't a good way into a community right now you you sort of have to be willing to endure a lot of a lot of scrutiny and a lot of unwarranted judgment Mm -hmm. i can't imagine being uh uh like a queer person trying to get involved in this kind of like at any level beyond casual birding because there's not there's no there's no inclusion it's exclusionary by like inherently by the people who have propagated this this like world and that's not okay even the listserv yeah alone like kind of really sealed the deal for me to not get involved with clubs because it's like people are getting mad about wearing fluorescent clothing or you know going back and forth pretty aggravated with each other about you know, who saw what. Yeah. And uh, so, I don't know. That's why when we started birding together and, or, you know, we have our little group, mm-hmm. that's the first time I felt, we felt like part of a community. Yeah. And it would be great if we could get people involved in these organizations which exist and have existed to, you know, keep the New Haven Bird this Club level of awareness yeah. up and because the the same people are also sort of at the forefront of protecting our local ecology. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And um, this is you know it's really important, but it's also important for people to know that you don't have to, that you can get a pair of cheap binoculars, like you said, and grab a friend and head to the woods. Yeah, uh, and have. Uh, a really sort of incredible experience um, outside of the existing sort of structure. But again, I think you know if we can f- if we can figure out a way to sort of fold in yeah. uh, to these organizations, um, then you know perhaps that's a longer term goal. But they're you know they're incredible people. We were just talking with a, a local photographer, birder, um, who knows every single person from Connecticut Audubon, you know, all the way down to the really local level. Good old, good old Jill Carter. Jill Carter. And talking about, you know, just incredible experiences he has with uh, all these different people in different locations. And And talk about inclusive. Yeah. I mean, that's someone like, 
I would have been a little apprehensive to, you know, but he's, he was very welcoming and, yeah. and told us all, all the goods about who's where and what's what yeah. for birding. And, and, you know, he told, he's the he's one encouraging. that told very encouraging, um, and sharing. And it's sort of like, I want to pass that on. Mm-hmm. I want to be, I want to be the, be like that someday. And even when we're birding and we see, ran, you know, random people are saying, Oh, what do you see? And we'll be like, Oh, just a red start and like, what's that and you yeah. know I always share my binoculars with random people absolutely I um, 100% believe in sharing my binoculars with the people around me just so they get one glimpse at that red start and that, see how beautiful it is yeah and and they've always been appreciative mm-hmm. they've always been like wow I didn't even know this was here even if it's something not that amazing and that's right. why it's even more frustrating to me when older um, birders are just dismissive of what you've seen because it's like you don't know like that could be their first time birding that mm-hmm. could be you know they're really in, early into it so I just want to encourage people especially now that we have James yeah um, we're never gonna yell at you on the trail if you have your Merlin app open playing <laughs> the playing the, ma- the singing male call uh, the singing male sounds of a of a of a magnolia warbler to draw it out of its well, of its hide. We've all been never. there. We've yeah. all been there. I will stand there quietly with my binoculars at yeah. the ready. We have we have Waiting. all sinned. We have all we we really did that. We've all baited owls. Let's just <laughs> Oh my gosh. World War Three will start no. about baiting owls. We've never baited an owl. We've never baited an but owl. But we have played incessantly an Eastern Tohi song because we didn't know not to do that. And then we we're like, oh wow. But then that toey popped out and it was all around it's us. It's magical to yep. see a toey like for the first time yes. yeah. uh, walk out, just realizing that it's been in the brush the whole time yes. staring at you. <laughs> just, just, and they're so bright and colorful in their own way. And, and yeah. there they were hiding so well. It's so cool to see yeah. that happen. So anything that it, anything it takes to get people excited about birds, I think, is an okay thing right now. Yeah, I think um, I think he survived. Yeah. I think he got over us noobs. Yeah, I don't think we uh, imprinted on him no. in any way. Um, and that's the thing. Like, make it. People should be should be excited about it and not worried that they're gonna get chastised at you know Willard's Island at Hammonasset for trying to see a. You know, a, like a, a hooded warbler or something like that because mm-hmm. they're gorgeous and people should see them. Um, do you guys have favorite birds? Do you have favorite birds? What's your favorite bird, Heather? So when I had to answer that question for the Connecticut birding group mm-hmm. on Facebook, I picked the rose-breasted grosbeak. Why is that? I, I think they're beautiful. Um, and I... I love their song, mm-hmm. their and their squeakiness and mm-hmm. how you like you'll be. It's it's definitely one of the larger birds that I first saw. Um, besides the warblers, that really caught like I we couldn't believe that they were around. Oh yeah, first time you see that. You know that um, beautiful rose colored. Yeah. So and then also I think that was Audubon's favorite bird. I I read a, a book about different birds and that they had all these like interesting little facts about it yeah. and i thought yeah i could see that yeah i could see I think why he had yeah. one i think i heard that too mm-hmm. i think I, I heard that scott what's your favorite bird oh man this is really hard 
Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I hate to sound like an academic, but can we like define favorite? <laughs> Just like happy to see? Yeah, I mean, bird we want to see the most. Is it a regular bird? Is it a bird I've only seen I once, mean, or is it a bird that I'm happy every time I, I see defined, it? I defined, yeah, I mean, so I defined <laughs> it as as like, I'm happy every time I see it, which is the rose-breasted grosbeak. I always get yeah. excited. Yeah. That always perks me up. Yeah, it's a good like it's a good day if I see one. I you know it's so hard for me because I I I almost giggle internally every time I see a tufted titmouse. You love them. Uh, they're so adorable. But at the same time, I also feel that when I see um, the Baltimore Oriole for the first time mm, yeah. come back in in the spring, it's, you know, and... That's one of my favorites. Yeah, the bright orange or red markings of the male are just... Are, are, so, did I say orange and red? I meant orange and black. Mm. Um, are just so stark and beautiful but yeah. I mean I just there are little things about the birds that make it really hard to pick a favorite right because of what we were talking about with uh, behavior mm-hmm. and you know uh, there are also some really common birds maybe perhaps really annoying loud birds like blue jays which if you just forget that you've seen one you know every day <laughs> For your entire life, if you look, look at it at and you feathers. stop and look, um, and you listen to the plethora of calls, the fact that they can mimic so many different calls, that they're so intelligent, so. that you can, that they squirrel stuff away. You know, you can throw out different kinds of seeds and nuts, and they'll, they're, they can hear peanuts hitting the ground. <laughs> if that's, and if they can't. That's what it seems and like. They'll yeah. flock in. <laughs> you know, it's, they're such a cool. They're such a cool bird, um, even though they form these hideous groups that then like just squawk and scream outside your bed, you know. Yeah. Isn't it a Five parliament? Isn't that what? Oh, that's man. a it's a brand of cigarettes. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I I agree with that. I have a hard time picking a favorite bird uh, for a lot of reasons, but I would safely say at the moment my favorite is Canada warbler. I. And it has been since last spring. I've just I'm sort of obsessed with the fact that everywhere I looked last year was a Canada warbler, and they're just so beautiful and and supposed to be not. You know, I guess they're they're the first they're the first warbler to show up when something interesting is going on, mm. and I like that about them. I like that they're like not afraid, despite how how bright, beautiful, and easy they are to pick out when they're when they're right there in front of you. Um, and I think. Uh, but I've also like I'm a, like have slight obsession with being able to see a harpy eagle at some point in my life, and mm. I know it'll probably never happen. But that's my like my goal, my goal bird. You know, mm. camp out in the highlands of some remote forest in South America or wherever wherever I have to go to see a harpy eagle. I don't care where where they live, the Philippines, something like that. Like <laughs> you know, or a stellar sea eagle, one of the really really big beautiful eagles or, or or something like that, those big birds of prey. They're so mythical. I would yeah. love to see that one day. But If you want to see one of the Canada me. warblers that Sean saw last year, check out the podcast page where we'll have some images up. Yeah. yeah. Gonna, if anybody has any ideas of what they want to see, tell us what you want to see. What's the what URL of our um, podcast website? I think um, foulmouthspodcast.com is, is available. Oh, cool. So, <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> um, I should have bought it when I saw it. 
I mean, not like it's people are flocking. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. It's happening. We uh, The name of the podcast is Valmaz Podcast, but that's the, that was our second choice because uh, winging it was taken by a professional basketball player. Thanks, Vince Carter. I'm still pissed at him. Yeah, fuck you, Vince Carter. Um, why do you need that podcast name? We want to know. Uh, winging it. Come on. That was perfect for us. It um, was. But foul mouths, I think, is, is much more accurate of what you're going to have to um, endure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Case in point, we are swearing at Vince Carter. Fuck you, Vince Carter. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we are. That's just us. Can't can't really do the podcast unless podcast ma. Yeah, there is um, swearing involved. Just, yeah, it's just, just how we roll. It's just gonna fall out of our mouths like poop falls out of cloacas, <laughs> um, or eggs, or eggs, or pee, or whatever else they've got going on at any given time. Uh, it all comes out of that one place, just like. All of these things come out of our mouths. The amazing That's world disgusting. of the cloaca. <laughs> if anybody is a cloaca expert and wants to be interviewed, please, <laughs> please find us online. Oh, no. at, email info email, at foulmouthspodcast.com. Yeah. Info at foulmouthspodcast.com. Uh, check out Instagram. We're going to be on there. Oh, yeah. Foulmouthspodcast. That's probably going to be I'm the... I'm buying the probably. domain as we speak. <laughs> probably going to be the name. Uh, but uh, And we'll be coming back with some good interviews, some uh, some good locations. Um, we're going to the Acadia Birding Festival. We're going to be at East Rock Park for Global Big Day. We're going to be all over the place. So whether this comes out before or after all of that, we don't know. But uh, here we are. Foul Mouths Podcast. Thanks for listening in. See, see, you, see you next time. See it on the trail? I don't know. How do we close these things? <laughs> I think we, we close it with a uh, the scree of a red tail hawk. So thank you for tuning in to episode zero of Foul Mouths Podcast. We'll be delivering a new episode every two weeks. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us at foulmouthspodcast.com and on Instagram at foulmouthspodcast. Foulmouthspodcast.